listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hey, what's up, TLR? Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Uh, I hope you had as much fun uh, with uh, Late Night Date Night as I did getting to be a part of it. Um, <clears throat> tonight, I want to kind of ask you a question to get things started. Uh, without pointing to anyone in the room, okay, let's, let's be kind here, without pointing a finger at anyone in the room, do you know someone who you would consider a, an imposter? You see why I said that? Because it, it would be really easy for us to be like, uh, yeah, her, right? Like, I don't want you to, to point fingers, but just in your mind, just for a second, think, do you know somebody who uh, just kind of like isn't the same person at all, all the time? And, and in one group, they act a certain way. And in another group, they act uh, a different way. Because if you're anything like me, you probably know someone like that. Um, in fact, in a, in a room, this many people in it, you probably know several people like that. I, mean, I was thinking about that, of somebody whose uh, their words and their actions don't necessarily mesh up, and they don't exactly match, and I was trying to think of what a good example would be that I wouldn't really hurt anyone's feelings or step on anyone's toes too much in my intro here. And so I started thinking about somebody who uh, has a pretty public um, accusation of being an imposter. And uh, so my mind went to uh, this guy. Um, he is a famous rapper named, or I don't know if he still is, but at one point in time he was a famous rapper. His name is Rick Ross, or that's his stage name. He's actually born William Roberts II. Uh, and William Roberts II grew up to be a corrections officer at a Florida prison. After being a corrections officer for a few years at a Florida prison, he decided that he would um, utilize the knowledge that he had gained hanging out with uh, inmates and uh, people who had sold drugs and, and committed crimes. And he said, hey, I'm pretty good at rapping. I'm going to be a rapper, and I'm going to take on this persona of Rick Ross, right? He, he changed his name as a stage name or whatever. Well, it turns out there's another guy whose name is actually Rick Ross, who was an actual drug dealer and went to actual prison for being said drug dealer. And when he got out of prison, Rapper Rick Ross was now a thing, and he was rapping about selling drugs and making a lot of money. And the real Rick Ross, the freeway Rick Ross guy, was angry and sued him for identity theft. Turns out Dwight was right. It's not a joke, okay? It's one of those things where he was so angry, he's like, hey, that's me. You're pretending to be me. He's like, and it came out even worse that it, he didn't even live that lifestyle. He was a corrections officer. He was like a, a, a cop. Like, he was in law enforcement, and he's saying all this stuff. He's like, it, it was even more insulting. Well, it turns out he lost the lawsuit, but I thought, I thought for a second, I was like, hey, how many times have we met people like that where we see something in them, and we just want to call it out and say, hey, that's, that's not you. That's, you're, you're being so fake right now. That's not real. I know for me in my life, I had a, a situation uh, where this happened to me, uh, and unfortunately, in, in my story, um, I was I was the rapper, Rick Ross. Like, I was the person that somebody unintentionally called me out. So um, a, a few years back, uh, oh gosh, a lot of years back now, I, I was in college, and uh, I was, oh, how do we say, um, indulging in the college lifestyle. And so you guys know what that means. I was partying on the weekends, and, and when I would, my guilt would get up high enough, and I would feel bad enough about myself, I would go to church on Sunday 
to try to get, you know, a little, little dash of that Jesus grace that we always talked about at church to make myself feel better about the way I was living my life on Friday night, right? And so I, I, I did this for off and on two years, and, and one Sunday morning, I, I guess I, my conscience had, had built up again, and I was like, man, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to church. I need to, I need to get myself together, and I, I'm, I'm not I'm supposed to be a Christian, and I'm not living like a Christian. And so I, I kind of got, my, got myself up and got dressed, and I went to church, and I got back, I was living on campus, and I got back to, to the dorms, and, and the dorm I was living in, uh, the bottom half of the, the dorms were all guys' dorms, and the top half were all girls' dorms, and so right about the time I was walking into the front door, there was a, a girl that I, I met at the door, and uh, we were the same major, we had a couple classes together, so we'd known each other for, you know, a couple years at that point, point. and of course, I'm, I'm dressed up like I'd just been to church, and it was Sunday morning around 11 or 12 o'clock, and she's like, Heath, what are you so dressed up for? I was like, oh, you know, I went to, I went to Frazier this morning. I was, I was at church, whatever. And she's like, huh, you go to church. I never would have guessed. And just kind of kept going. And I promised, her name's Brandy. She's very kind. She's a good person. She was a Christian. And she saw me and was like, hmm, you and I aren't the same. <laughs> I'm surprised that you go to church. You know, and, and she didn't mean anything by it. She, didn't, she I guarantee if she was here today, she was like, I have no idea the recollection of this story or, or what's happening. But for me, I mean, she could have just hauled off and punched me right in the face, and it wouldn't have hit me any harder. Like, I kind of walked in my dorm, and I was like, why was she so surprised? What, 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 what about me and the way that I was living my life? Was she like, huh, you go to church? Never would have guessed. And again, I don't think she meant anything bad by it. She was genuinely surprised. And so in this story, I, I, I began to realize, I was like, man, the, the way I'm living my life, the way I, people see me, and the way I present myself is not the same as the way I saw myself on the inside. And so if, if, if that's you or, or if you know someone like that, I'm so glad you joined us tonight because that's exactly what we're talking about here at TLR tonight. We're, we're, we're going with week two of our series, Walk It Like I Talk It. And if you were here last week, Lauren kicked us off and she was in the book of James. And I love the book of James. James is Jesus's half-brother. And if, in my mind's eye, like if, if I had to picture James just by reading his writing, James is way more like high school football coach than he is, like, kindergarten teacher. He, he's not the guy that's like, all right, boys and girls, let's talk about following Jesus. He's like, all right, listen up, all you idiots. I'm going to tell you what you need to do to get your life together, right? He's, he is in your face. Like, I don't think that they use a lot of exclamation marks back in his day, but if they did, James would have been the guy that put, like, 10 of them at the end of all of his sentences. So if, if we're going through James tonight and you're feeling like your toes are a little stepped on or you're like, oh, that kind of feels like he's talking to me, it's okay, right? Welcome to the club at least someone didn't say it to your face, right? Like, so at least you get to sit in the audience where it's kind of dark and, and nobody's calling you out in front of your dorm room. So uh, tonight, we want to kind of talk about that very thing, about how we find this right balance between the life that we live and the life that we think we live or, or who we think we are. And I kind of pictured it in my mind's eye, kind of like the old school scales. You guys remember these scales where like you put a weight on one side and it goes down, the other side comes up, and then you can put the same amount of something and it kind of balances out. I think in our life, the way we live our life versus what we, our values and the beliefs and how we see ourselves need to have some semblance of, of balance, some kind of harmony between the two. Because if they get out of balance, that's when you have situations that happened to me and rapper Rick Ross. That's the first time anyone's ever compared us. And so um, tonight, I'm so glad you're here, and we're going to dive into the book of James to see how we can try to get those places and those pieces of our lives a bit more in sync, a bit more in balance, and a bit more in harmony. 
So without further ado, if you guys will uh, uh, look at this with me, um, basically what James wants you to know tonight and what he really wants us to all take away is that our our faith and our works need to be in balance. And so I said it like this, is that your faith should inform your works and your works should reflect your faith. They need to be, there's some kind of balance where they, the, the scale can't be tipped one way where you're all faith. You're like, hey, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to live my life how I want to. That's how I was trying to do things. And I quickly realized that that was very perplexing to people who were really trying to follow Jesus. But under the same pretense, if you're going to try to live your life all good works and you don't really care about faith, and maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church, or maybe your first time in church in a long time, and you're not really sure how you feel about this Jesus thing, but you're trying to live your life as a good person, Hey, that, that can only work for, for so long, but there's not enough good works, there's not enough good things that you can do in your life to fill the void of who you are inside and, and the void that God created within you so that you could uh, know Him and walk in step with Him. And so tonight, I hope that we can kind of try to bring those things to some semblance of balance, some semblance of harmony, so that you don't feel like your life is out of whack, all right? So let's look at James in chapter 2. Uh, so we're we'll going to start in verse 14. This is what James says. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? He said, hey, what good is it? Like, what does it benefit? What, is, what profit is there? What, what, what does it accomplish if someone says or they claim that they have faith and yet the way they live their life shows no deeds? There's, there's no works. There's no uh, actions that come out of that faith. That's essentially what that conversation that I had with Brandy that day, she didn't say it that way, but that's kind of what she was saying. She was like, hey, I, I didn't realize you had a faith because I don't see any deeds, I don't see any action, I don't see any, any, anything in your life that would have pointed me to that. And so James kind of kicks us off here tonight, and he asks this rhetorical question. He's like, hey, what, what, what good is it? Now, I think it's really important for us to, to understand that if you are a, a person of faith, if you are a Christian, if you have to put your faith in Jesus, there's, he's not saying that you have to do something to earn your standing before God. Because if you believe in Jesus and if you put your faith in Jesus and if you've decided to, to follow him with your life, what you've done is you've trusted that when Jesus died on the cross that he paid for all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings, all of the, the Friday night parties that I was at, all, all of the mistakes that you've made in your life, Jesus, Jesus paid for those on the cross. But what James is saying is just because Jesus paid for those for you on the cross and he died on your behalf doesn't necessarily mean that you get to go and live your life however you want to. And that's the tension. That's what we're trying to balance here tonight. Okay? So he goes on to say this in, in the next verse. He says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Right? Like, think, imagine if you, if you met someone like this on the street. Like, James says, imagine if you meet someone who, they don't have food, they don't have clothes. You, you meet a, a homeless person on the streets, and, and they come up to you, and they're like, hey, I'm freezing to death. It's cold outside. It's February, and I haven't eaten in days. And you're like, hey, I'll be praying for you. Good luck. Right? Like, at that point in time, you know, the old wristbands that, that they had back a long time ago, the what would Jesus do wristbands? Like, if you're wearing one of those while you do that, you're not doing what Jesus would do in that moment. Because in that moment... Your well wishes, and hey, I'll be praying for you. Good luck, brother. You know, that, that's not accomplishing anything. You know, James says, well, what good is that? Well wishes doesn't accomplish anything. 
He says that if we have faith and yet we don't do anything with our faith, if if our faith isn't lived out in our daily life, if the people around us don't see our faith, they don't feel our faith, if we're not using our faith to make the world around us a better place, if we're not using the faith that we have in Jesus to transform the lives of the people that God has put in our life, James says, hey, you're kind of like somebody who just wishes someone good luck when they're cold and hungry. It's just as Good. He goes on to the next verse. He hits even harder with the next verse. He says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He says, Your faith might as well be dead if all you do is believe and you have nothing attached to it. If there's not some life change that's tailored and attached to your faith, you might as well not even have it. In fact, I think he would say it like this. James would say, Workless faith is worthless faith. If you're not using your faith in order to to make the lives of the people around you better, if you're not using your faith to inspire people to know Jesus and to follow Jesus, if you're not using your faith to to volunteer and to help and to, to do things that actually make the world around us a better place, if you're not using your words to encourage people, if, you, if you're constantly fighting with your roommate, if you're going from, from guy to guy or girl to girl in your relationships constantly and tearing people's lives apart in, in how you treat them, James says, hey, what good is you having faith? He goes on in the next couple of verses to, to break it down even further. He says, but someone will say, hey, you have faith, I have deeds, I have good works, you can, do, you can do have your faith, I'll do good works. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He's basically saying, if you have faith, you can't prove it without actions. If I walked in here tonight and said, guys, 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 listen here, you'll never believe this. I've got a pet unicorn. I've got one, just right over there. Your, your first instinct would be like, all right, let's see it, right? Like, if, if that's true, show me. I don't know that I buy it unless I would actually see it, right? Because you, you know that unicorns are, are fictional animals. Like, it's not a real thing, right? James says the same thing. He's like, hey, if you say you have faith, I can't, I can't reach into my heart and pull out my faith and show it to you guys tonight, right? Neither can any of you. He says the way that you see someone's faith is by the way they live their lives, the way they treat people, how they carry themselves, the way they, they literally become like Jesus to the world around them. He says, he goes on to say, um, sorry, I lost my spot. Uh, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. That's good. Even the de- demons believe that and shudder. He says, hey, if all you have is faith and there's no actions tied to it, he's like, that's, that's not impressive. If you say, well, I believe in God, and he's like, cool. So so do the demons. <laughs> like, like that's, that doesn't accomplish anything. There has to be something that goes along with it. If your faith isn't in action, faith is supposed to be a verb, not a noun, right? We have faith. That's, that's, that's true. But if we're not living our faith, if we're not doing faith, if we're not practicing faith, if we're not, you know, exemplifying faith in our daily lives, you might as well have a pet unicorn because he says, hey, like even the demons know that God exists what good is it if you have faith and you're not doing anything with it? Uh, in, in the chapter that precedes this, James is trying to break this down and he's trying to help the people see that to have faith and to match it up with their actions is one of the most important things that we can do. It's one of the most important parts of our faith. Because if all we have is is faith, and, 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 there's, and there's no deeds attached to it. Your faith is worthless. But the same, the opposite is also true. 
If all you have is good deeds and you just want to try to be good and, and do good, and you're like, ah, I've tried the church thing, or I'm not really sure where me and God stand. I'm not sure if I believe all this stuff. It happened a long time ago, and, I, you know, I, I don't know that I believe that. Under the same tense, like, it, you're just flipping the scale up the other way. Because if you're doing good deeds and you're, you're, you're um, trying to help people and those kind of things, you're, you're not really filling the hole. You're not really filling the void in your life. Like, you still have brokenness within you. You still have wounds within you. You still have things that you carry that happen to you that you don't feel are resolved. And ultimately, you're, you're doing good things, and there's never going to be enough good things that you can do to bring you at peace with who you are inside. And so James would make the case that, hey, all of you who have a ton of faith, but you're not living it out, that's not very good. It's worthless. And maybe if you're one of the people who you're like, hey, you're trying to be good, but you don't have faith, that's not really very helpful either. There's got to be some kind of balance. So how do we get that balance? What is our response to this? He, you know, I said he kind of comes out and he, he hits us in the mouth with it. He kind of steps on our toes. Uh, someone w- once described James as like strong medicine. You know, like when you're a kid and you have to like drink the, the cough syrup, the, the, the nasty kind, not the good cherry tasting kind, but the one that tastes like cough syrup, right? And you get it and you kind of have the, ooh, it kind of comes over your body and it, it tastes bad, but you, your mom's like, you have to do it. It's going to help you feel better. That's the book of James, right? Like he's saying, hey, this isn't going to, this isn't going to feel good. This isn't one of those warm and fuzzy messages where everybody holds hands and skips out of here. Plus, it's a pandemic. You shouldn't do that anyways. But the idea is he's saying, hey, this is good for us to think about these things, to, to examine our lives and to, to figure out where we stand and, and where are we in the, the scale and of balance. And so at this point in time, I'm thinking, all right, so what is our response? What do we do with this? But I'm going to back up to what he says in the previous chapter. At the end of chapter 1, here's how James gives us our, our, our next step. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If your life is, is you know, being lived however you really want it, but, you know, you're kind of doing like I was doing when I was in college, and you're, you're going to say, well, I'm kind of doing my own thing, and I'm living my life how I want to. I'm making decisions how I want to. I'm uh, you know, going where I want to, doing whatever it is I want because I'm finally away from home. I'm finally away from my parents. I finally have a, enough freedom that I get to call the shots. But if things kind of pile up or I begin to feel guilty about some of the things I'm doing and I'm just going to, you know, show up at TLR on a Wednesday night and try to, you know, get filled up with some Jesus stuff and, and feel better about myself so I can go back to doing the things that I want to do. James says, hey, that's, that's not good enough. He says, don't merely hear what God wants you to do. You got to actually do what his word tells us. You have to actually do what it says. So when Jesus calls us to, to love our enemy and to love our neighbor as ourself, that's not something that we just put in our Instagram bio and say, man, that's a good word right there, right? He says, no, I really actually want you to do it. And, and I think about it um, a lot of times as, as a high school student growing up, I, I remember my mom was trying to instill in me and try to teach me uh, like household chores, how to like own uh, helping around the house and things like that. And um, I, as I was trying to figure that out and, and learn about being a high school student, she would always say, hey, it's time for you to contribute a little bit more around here. It's time for you to, to pick up the slack around here and, and, and do a little bit more. And I remember thinking back to like when I was a kid, I loved that uh, when I would walk into the kitchen, I feel like as a little kid, you walk into the kitchen and you are calling the shots, right? Like if you guys ever remember being a little kid, and you can't really reach anything, and your parents don't let you play with sharp knives and things like that, you walk in the kitchen like, Mom, make me a snack. 
Mom, I want a sandwich. Mom, I'm not having that for dinner. I would rather have this, right? And you kind of get to call the shots. But then you get to high school or, or now. Go home and try that now, right? Like on your kitchen, be like, Mom, make me a sandwich, right? Mom, get me some snacks. She's like, get in there and get it yourself. How old are you, right? And I remember my mom one point in time said, hey, it's time for you to start contributing around here. You can go in there and learn how to cook yourself, right? You, you can clean up yourself. You can do it yourself. And what my mom was teaching me, she said, hey, you can't just come in here and be a, a consumer anymore. When you walk into my kitchen, it's time for you to contribute. Pick up around here. You can do the dishes. Learn how to cook a meal. You know, I'm not going to always be there for you. You're going to have to learn to fend for yourself. And I think what James is telling us here in verse 22 is kind of the same thing. He says, hey, it's not good enough just to come into church and, and to treat your faith like you're a consumer. Where you get to come in and call the shots. Hey, God, let me feel good about myself tonight. God, give me a little bit of that grace that I like to hear about at church. God, forgive me of all my mistakes and I'll go back to doing things the way I want to do it. No, I think James is laying it down and says, hey, like, enough of that. You've got to actually do some of the things he says. It's time for you to contribute around here. It's time for you to actually advance this mission of people hearing and knowing Jesus. Basically, what James says is this. Interaction with God's word should lead to action in your life. When we hear God's word, when you show up at TLR on a Wednesday night and, and somebody up on stage gives you a challenge and, and gives you an opportunity to, to hear from God's word. It's not just a, a really good words to live by thing. It's actually an opportunity to bring God's word to life, to actually not just interact with it, but actually to act on it on a weekly and a daily basis. And so essentially, uh, James goes on and he says, in the next two verses, he says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's, it's the in one ear, out the other kind of thing, right? It's the, it's the glancing in the mirror, and you walk away, and you're like, wait, do my clothes match? Am I, is, does my, did I do my hair before I left? Have you guys ever had that moment? I thought it was funny that James literally in this says, um, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. It's clearly a guy, right? Because you know how guys do. Like, they woke up two minutes before class, and they throw on something that kind of doesn't stink, and they, like, look at themselves like, yeah, that's good enough, and, and, and they're out the door, right? Not so much with the ladies. Have you ever seen a girl look at herself in the mirror? I mean, it is like a surgeon, just like precision of like, I don't like that. I would fix this. I need to work on that. I need to get that done. You know, it's, I mean, they are just like a precision, like, and, and, and they pay attention to every little detail. James says, hey, when you're interacting with God's word, when you're presented with a challenge to live your faith out, when you're presented with the opportunity to live out like Jesus, he says, hey, don't, don't be the person that takes a quick glance and, you know, oh yeah, good enough, all right, or, or in one ear, out the other. He says, hey, we need to do more. He goes on the next couple verses to say it like this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, anyone who looks intently into God's word and actually like pays attention to what it's asking us to do and how it's telling us to live and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That if you actually hear what God's word says and you actually apply it to your life and you walk out of these doors and you go and live your life to actually do the things that God is asking you to do, James says that you will be blessed. Not that your life will be perfect. Not that your life is going to be any easier. Not that everything's going to work out in the end. But he says, hey, your life will be blessed. There will be moments in your life when you can only explain what's happening by God's intervention. There's going to be things that happen in your life that only work out because God is blessing you for living out the faith that you say that you have. 
And as I was thinking about this and, and trying to figure out how, all right, how do, we, how do we take this idea of God wants us to live out our faith. He wants us to, to practice what we preach. He wants us to, to literally like walk it like we talk it. If he wants us to live out the faith that we say that we have, how do we do it? And I think it all basically boils down to, to this phrase right here. If you work your faith, it will work for you. Work your faith and it will work for you. See, I think for so long in my life, I don't, I don't know about you guys in the room, but for so long in my life, I kind of viewed my faith as, as something that I did one time. Right, there was, a, there was a moment in time when I, all right, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe in Jesus. I'm gonna accept his payment for me on the cross. I'm gonna believe that he rose again from the dead. Cool. Got that taken care of, right? It's like your high school diploma. You work, you know, all this time to get it, and you get it, and you go home. I don't even know if I've seen mine since the day I graduated high school. Like, it's like, all right, now, now what do I do with this, right? And I think what James is telling us is like, hey, it's, it's not like that. Your faith is supposed to be something that you work on daily. It's more like, he, he likens it to our appearance in the mirror. You can't just get dressed up one time and be like, well, all right, cool. I bathed that one time. I'm good for the next 60 years, right? Like, that doesn't fly, if it doesn't fly in our outward appearance, it also doesn't fly on the inside. It's something that we have to work at daily. And if we work at it daily and we're constantly paying attention to how we live our lives, to how we treat people, how we interact with our roommates, you know, how we're the, the kind of person that we're looking to spend our life with, the, the decision that goes into what we're going to do for our careers, and, and all the things that go into the stage of life that you're in right now, James promises that, hey, in the end, it will work out for you. God will end up blessing you, and he will take care of you. It might not be perfect. It might not be exactly how you pictured it. It might not be the easiest thing that you've ever done. But in the end, it'll work for you. And I think that as I, as I kind of uh, thought about our scales tonight, I got the scales to come back up. I want you to think about where in your life do you feel like that balance between how you're living your life versus who you are on the inside? Like, where's that balance at? You know, are you... Are you living your life like however you want to, and hey, I've got this faith, but you know, I'm really just kind of doing what I want to do. Or, or do you say, hey, I'm trying to be a good person, but I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. Or, or maybe you're fighting and you're holding on for dear life to try to keep some semblance of harmony and balance between the two. If I were to guess, I would say probably most of us in this room are somewhere in between, right? There's some of us who uh, could use a, another next step in our faith journey. For some of you, that next step in your faith might be to Hey, get, get plugged more into TLR, to get more involved here in what, what God is doing in this awesome ministry for people just like you. Or maybe it's you, you've been coming, but you need to get plugged into a, a group. Or, or maybe you need to start spending time reading God's word for yourself and not relying on people like me to tell you what I think <laughs> once a week. You, you can read it for yourself. Some of you, your next step is maybe more in your faith. Some of you may have had a faith for a long time, and your next step isn't that, but it's to actually start living out the faith that you've had for several years. It's to actually take a step out and, hey, I'm going to actually serve and, and, and do something. There's, I walked around tonight while you guys were eating and stuff, and there were so many of you, the, the, the people in this room, who, you know, wearing the name tags, and they're like guest experience, and they're, they're handing out pizza, and they're welcoming people at the door, and, they're, and I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, these are the people who are walking it like they talk it, like they have this faith, but they're also plugged in, and they're making this feel like a, a safe and, and an exciting place for college-age adults to be. And so maybe for some of you, it's, it's time to, to take a next step in, not in your faith, but in your works. It's, it's hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to that person in my, in my class about, hey, inviting them to TLR, or I'm gonna 
take a step in, in, uh, in my faith to say I'm going to serve somewhere, or I'm going to get involved in my community, or I'm going to do something around me so that my faith just isn't something that's within me, but it's something that the people around me begin to see and feel as well. But wherever you are, whoever you are in this room, and wherever you find yourself, um, you're going to be somewhere in there. All of us have kind of a, a challenge and a next step. That's the beauty of the book of James, is he steps on everybody's toes, <laughs> mine included. And so wherever you are tonight, I want you to think about that. In a few moments, I'm going to dismiss you guys. I know a lot of you are going to head to small groups. And if you're not plugged into a small group and you'd maybe like to try one out, um, you can hang out in here. And there's going to be some pop-up groups that kind of give you a taste of what being plugged into a TLR small group looks like. And, and maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe you're just here because you knew one of the contestants for The Bachelor or you just thought it sounded like a good time. And, and I'd still challenge you to, to go home and think about this. Say, all right, well, what is my next step? Is it to... to think more about my faith? Is it to live out my faith, or what is my next step? Because I do believe that each and every one of us has one, and if you work out your faith, your faith will work for you.